right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, very good, mate. Um, yeah, um, just a parent team in the work. Um, first parent team of the year, so a lot of them arm around the shoulder chats. Not much, uh, not many hair dry treatments. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> sort of, uh, yeah, the encouraging. Encouragement, I'd say, is what, what was, was the main thing there. So, for those that don't know, but you're you're talking about it from a teacher's perspective. So you're giving you're giving feedback to yes, to kids. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not you're not talking about giving your own daughter the hair dryer treatment. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be the hair dryer treatment straight away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and today's a very special episode because we're joined by an illustrious guest. It's a great pleasure to introduce Matteo Montero from Zone SC Braga and Golasso TV. Matteo, thank you for joining us. How are you, sir? Uh, thank you for having me, Albert and, and Barney. Thank you for, for the invitation. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a long time ago, uh, mm. following each other on Twitter. And uh, I think we are doing in France quite the same thing you're doing here in England, uh, talking about Portuguese football uh, with uh, a broad perspective and uh, being being quite relaxed. So, so yes, uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to talk about Portuguese football uh, with you. And uh, before we start, do you want to introduce yourself a bit more, maybe give people an idea of your background and also the work you do with Golasso TV and Zona Braga? Yes, maybe. Uh, I started uh, Zona Braga when it was called Twitter. Uh, so it was <laughs> ten, years, uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I think now, uh, to talk about the... the, the, the the, the actuality and the, and the news of, uh, of of my club in Portugal, uh, special club, and uh, since for may- maybe five years now, uh, with some some friends, special friends, we are we are talking. We realize our, our show on YouTube and Twitch named Golasso TV. It's in French, uh, but uh, we are talking about the Portuguese football all around. Uh, Portuguese football, the clubs, obviously, the championship, uh, the Portuguese players abroad, the coaches, uh, the formation, the, the youth players, uh, quite almost uh, everything around the Portuguese football. And uh, it's been five years now. It's a pleasure, and uh, and uh, that's uh, that's why we are doing. Uh, uh, now mm. and as you say it's uh it's quite a similar project to, to what we do in, in, in that it covers a lot of the Primera Liga and not just one club obviously I know we have international listeners both in France and, and in Canada so um if any French-speaking listeners that we have don't already subscribe to to Mateo's projects um there'll be links in 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 the description of this podcast to do so and even for our English-speaking listeners I would say at the very least um, you should follow them on Twitter because Twitter can translate everything, and, and I do that regularly with with French accounts and Portuguese accounts. So um, definitely give Matteo a follow. And thank you for joining us. As as Matteo alluded to, he has an allegiance to SC Braga, which we will of course come on to a little bit later in this episode. Um, but there was only one game that that we could start with, of course, one of the biggest games in the Portuguese football calendar, the Lisbon derby. And I have to say, it, it's rare for me that a game like this actually lives up to the hype in terms of spectacle. Often these games can be quite cagey, they can become quite 
um, angry and, and you don't see much football, but I thought this game absolutely delivered in terms of on-field quality and a health, healthy dose of drama to go with it. Before the game, uh, the big discussion was about sporting. Were they going to be able to live up to being favourites, a rare occurrence for them in this fixture, or whether Benfica would uh, be able to put aside their poor form? Uh, for this derby. Benfica, I thought, started the game very well. They missed some golden early chances before Vito Jorquez put Sporting ahead with a thunderous strike. Sporting, by that point, seemed to have found their feet and were playing some good football. But a second yellow card early into the second half for Gonzalo Inacio left Sporting with 10 men and opened the door for Benfica to mount a comeback. Sporting did, however, hold on until the 91st minute before an equaliser from Joao Neves and then a remarkable 97th minute winner from Kasper Tengstedt gave Benfica a massive derby day win. It puts them top of the Premier League table. And Matteo, I'll come to you first. Just to start off with an easy one, I know there's a lot to take in, but but what were your thoughts on the game overall? I uh, completely agree with you about the, the fact that sometimes these games, mostly again, Porto Benfica at Sporting, sometimes are some disappointing games. Uh, we are all expecting a lot because we are the, the best fixtures of our championship. And sometimes, yes, we are disappointing about the, the, some, some aggressiveness, some, uh, some tactical plan were not too well played by, by, by the teams and, uh, and we are, uh, leaving these games uh, quite uh, disappointed, and last uh, yesterday uh, it was quite a, quite a game, quite uh, a scenario. Uh, I almost lived the same thing as Befica fans uh, at the beginning of this year when we beat uh, Gimaraes three two with three goals in, in seven minutes at the beginning of this year in, in Portuguese Cup. And uh, I know that uh, the feelings and the emotions uh, this kind of games can give you. But I think also in two, three days after after that, you can say that Befica didn't, in my opinion, didn't uh, made a, a great game. They are quite, quite, quite a miracle as uh, as uh, Braga games uh, against the Gimarish at the beginning of this year. And... Uh, and uh, that's why I was a, bit, a little bit surprised by the the, um, the reaction of Roger Schmidt in the press conference after the, after the game, uh, because I think uh, even if you won this game, uh, you have a lot to do and uh, a lot to, to work. And we saw that uh, since the beginning of the, the season, mostly in the Portuguese, fine, mostly in in Champions League, and uh, and yes, yesterday was about emotions, but in terms of way of playing and in terms of uh, uh, do, tactically, I think Befica has a lot to do uh, to even if we are at the first place um, after the game. Uh, Befica have a lot to do to to manage and to have a good season after that. A hundred percent. And Barney, just on that, because I, I don't think we can underestimate how big a result this was for Benfica, because as Matteo says, they were in quite poor form leading up to this. And I think, you know, on the one hand, you could say what a good result it is to win, but also how important it was not to lose. Because I think for everyone at the club, it would have been a, a real disaster if they had lost. Um, I think the consequences of, of a loss in this game would have been, well, in terms of the table, just being six points behind the leader, which is obviously a very difficult position. But we're talking about increasing tension amongst the fans, perhaps increasing tension in the dressing room, increasing pressure on the manager. 
you have to say all of that has been has been lifted in some sense, not just because of the win itself, but the manner of the win. They won't care that it was against ten men. They will just enjoy that the elation that comes with that 90, 97th minute winner. Um, definitely, of course, the best result of the season for Benfica and most important. But the the next step now is following this up with more good results. But you have to say it's 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 an opportunity for Benfica to perhaps to kickstart their season. Yeah, and I think that's um, I think that's what Rodgersman was sort of trying to do in a way in that press conference, as Matthew alluded to, is, is um, just trying to draw focus away from the bad performances, the the, the, the all the problems that they have there, and just I guess similar to what we've seen Conscious Sal do as a supporter, just sort of try and build a momentum over such a important win and, and such an important fixture. We, we've all discussed, you know, how how vulnerable these fixtures are. Um, I thought it was interesting in terms of the game how he Roger went back to his four two three one. Um, you know, we'd seen him flirt with sort of three four three ish, if you will, the other week um, in, a, in some Champions League, just sort of with the, the lack of fullback options they have. But in, in putting Alisson back at right back and, and Morata at left back, that really and having that bit midfield com- combination of Florentino and John Neves really helped them in this game. Um, for Morata, had a, a really good game at left back. Um, you know, and particularly defensively, he, um, I think he broke the record for the most tackles in the game by before half time or something like that. There's no sort of statistic like that. He was he was very good. Um, but uh, I know it's a player who quite must be eager to speak about Charles Neves in that midfield with Florentino. The what I liked about it was they complemented each other quite well. And then that's probably one of the things why I've been quite surprised with Rodgers' this season is the lack of Florentino and Benfica's 11 because I think he's such a good player um, in terms of all the the unglamorous jobs, if you will. And then and that having him alongside Jarnev's just allowed Jarnev's to just do what he does, which seems to be everything and anything. You know, he's he's just an incredible player. And his... Well, I, I don't know what you guys think, but he was the most clear example of a Benfica player really fighting the whole game, you know, and we've, we've got the likes of Jao Marion there, you've got Di Maria and the experience, you know, there's players dotted across the whole pitch and and as as he's been all season, Jao Nez was the, the shining light, the person to doing it all and and, and and he's been such an important player for Schmidt and obviously such an important player in this game as he, as he was in the last, in the dying minutes with the goal and the assist, so yeah, I think, um, Schmidt going back to what he knows to do in that sort of in that sense, in the sense of the formation, bringing Florentino back in, I think really helped him uh, ultimately. Yeah, Jao Neves, I mean, what a performance for him. Yeah, Matteo, I don't know if you want to add anything on Jao Neves, man of the match, deservedly so for me. I agree with Barney. I Probably the best player on the pitch, although Victor Jokerez, I thought, played very well as well. And Marcus Edwards played well until he was taken off. But he... he you know what? What an incredible thing to have a young player like him, who not only has the ability to play for a club like Benfica, but crucially has the the mentality to to play at a club like Benfica. Because there weren't many players on on the pitch in, in a Benfica shirt who put in as much effort and showed as much desire and passion as he did. Yes, obviously, and. Uh... I think Trubin also did a quite a good game in the first half, and uh, he made some 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 saves that uh, keep Benfica 
in in the first half and in the game and even in the second half uh, but uh, yes Joe Neves was the the best player on on the pitch uh, on on Benfica's side uh, this is kind of rare players because uh, on ball foot um playing is very good player and uh, I think he can do even more with the ball uh, because I saw them I saw him when he was uh, in Benfica for formation uh, teams and we all know that is uh, a player with the ball uh, with excellent uh, pass and quality pass quality uh, carrying ball quality and he can do uh, and with his vision he can do he can do all better but in 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 this kind of game you also have to be very good at uh, recovering at fighting at uh, uh, defensively against uh, even if the sporting midfield is a two man midfield it's it's uh, it's you you are facing a team which is very confident in these dynamics. Uh, we have this free for free formation very well implemented since many years now. And if you are not concentrated or if you don't fight for recovering the ball, uh, you can lose and you can uh, lose the game quite quite quickly. And uh, is due with Florentino, I think it can be the yes possibility for for Jashpin to find a, a way f- finally to find his midfield. With Akaksu more uh, higher on the pitch uh, and with less um, uh, defensive responsibilities, and having quite, if maybe uh, John Neves is the real replacement from the real substitute of Enzo Fernandez, and uh, because in the midfield of a Roger Schmidt team you have to, you have to to run. Yes, you have to be complete. You have to be complete defensively and offensively, and uh, with this duo Francino and and John Neves, I think. He, Maybe he has something for for the next few weeks. Mm, definitely. Um, when when he scored, I was I was delighted for him to score. I thought nobody deserved to score more than him. And what particularly pleased me was uh, I said before I challenged anyone to find a picture on the internet of Joao Neves with his shirt untucked, and uh, in the, all the uh, drama of the goal, we finally saw the young man with his shirt outside of his shorts. Um, but no, fantastic performance from from him. Um, obviously, huge contrasting emotions at the end of the game. I'd say. I think, I think, I think it's fair to say the red card changed the game. Obviously, and Sporting were playing pretty well. Um, they scored a good goal to go ahead. They weathered the early storm that that they faced from Benfica, and I thought they really grew into the game and looked with eleven men on the pitch. I thought like they would go on to win the game, even with ten men. Um, they. They looked like they could possibly hold on at the very least for a draw, but it was heartbreak at the end. They weren't able to hold on. I don't think there are any complaints really about the red card itself, um, but they will be devastated about the result, naturally. I think positives that they could maybe take were Jokeres' goal. I think his first derby performance was particularly impressive, and I think what we already knew about him is that he's a fantastic player, but we've seen now also that he's you know, up for any challenge that he faces in this league. Um, good performances, I thought, from people like Marcus Edwards, but naturally a very big blow for Sporting, and it will be it will be interesting to see how, how they bounce back from this, how they respond. It's true that with ten men, uh, they they play in low block, and they wanted to to to, to keep the, the score and the score line. But if we remember the, the derby of last year, that the, the end of the season, the one one one, uh, and with a goal from John Neves at the at the end of the game. Um, also, with eleven men to against eleven, they they 
already was playing again with, with a low block. They, they wanted to keep the results even with with eleven men uh, a few months ago, and I think it's sometimes the the problem for Ruben Amor in, in this kind of games. His team uh, is leading one uh, nil tunnel, and they play defensive. They want to keep the scoreline. They want to uh, to be um, playing with their um, their, their forces, which is indeed uh, defensively is a very good team. As in 2023, uh, since Jomande uh, quite uh, established uh, his his, uh, um, his ranking in this uh, back three, uh, we have a spotting much better in terms of. Uh, of our defensive organization and uh, and uh, but in yesterday it's true that you have ten men but in my opinion you didn't really try to be a little bit more on the Befica side and when Sporting is with ten men with Ruben Amorin is still the same scenario and against uh, yesterday you lose you don't deserve to lose because I think even with ten men you are very good in in uh, in your game you are very uh, you are you were in your game uh, last year against Benfica. Uh, you were in your game, uh, but uh, two years ago against Porto, the tunnel and uh, you were you were you were leading tunnel and Coates was sending off, and uh, and Porto uh, drew and Porto uh, went to the title, and uh, maybe three years ago against Braga when you won the title. Uh, you are with ten men, and uh, it's a miracle that Matus Nisrom scored this goal because during almost the, all the game you didn't do anything with ten men. And with a player now with Jokeres, uh, who is quite not not saying that he's playing for two for two two players, but he's an incredible player uh, with carrying the ball and can do such differences such differences by himself that you can try something more. You can try to have the ball far more for your for your from. For your goal, and I think you are admitting that's too much, quick, too too quickly, and uh, with all the, the crosses, all these uh, corners attempts from Benfica, yes, they scored two goals, and it was not deserved, yes, but I think you didn't try a lot to 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 have a, another scenario, a different scenario like the other big games that Sporting has during the last few years. I think that's a very interesting point, and actually, I did feel at the time that. He took Marcus Edwards off a bit too early just because I thought um, Edwards was having a really fantastic game. And I think with him on the pitch, the, you know, the, the chances of having creating attacking opportunities are, are obviously higher. So I did think that was strange at the time. And yeah, like you said, if they'd perhaps pushed to, to get another goal, it'd be a very different conversation that we're having now. Um, Barney, one thing I wanted to ask you was um, before this game, I uh, I did one of uh, the Nino Torres uh, pre pre game shows, which was good fun. But one of the things I spoke to him about was uh, Sporting's the balance that they have in the, both the starting eleven and the squad, and also the squad depth they had. Now, for me, it feels more in terms of the starting eleven like a a, a more balanced um, starting eleven than last season, and feels a bit more like that team that they had uh, in the the title winning season which seem to just click quite naturally, although I don't think it's as perfect, you know, without players like Pedro Poros, obviously an elite player. But still, it does seem like they've they've, they've reached some kind of balance again. They also have great strength in depth on the bench. Um, I do feel like optimistic, despite the result, that despite derailing their season 
um, they can bounce back from this. I think also worth remembering, I did read that Sporting have now played Benfica and Braga away from home, whereas uh, Benfica and Porto maybe haven't played as many big games this season. And, you know, to, to have played some difficult games already this season and to be joint top of the table after 11 games, I think is still a very, very good league position. I think now it's a test of mentality in the next games. Can they brush the result off? Can they get back to playing the type of football that has, that has served them so well so far this season? Yeah, I think had this game been a bit of hope for Sporting, you know, considering their form and the momentum they had, I think this this could have been a, a win for them. And because you know, let's not forget they were leading Benfica by a goal to nil for almost like you know the, the full ninety. It was it was very late on when they conceded. So. Yeah, they 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 want to keep that momentum. Yeah, I think you're you're right about the balance and the strength in the squad. Um, it felt like only a few weeks ago we were also talking about the, um, Aaron the way he's developed as well in terms of his in game management and uh, and and, and uh, game management as well. But I don't know. I, I maybe I'm putting too much too much on it. But I feel like taking Edwards off, as you mentioned, was the wrong decision in this game. I would have liked to see him given more time and man. Perhaps Pedro Gonzalez, who I know is a player that we absolutely trust through and through, but out of them two at the moment, Edwards and Pedro Gonzalez, it feels like Edwards has that that he's got that ceiling that seems a bit higher. He he could do more um, in games than, than Pedro Gonzalez has been performing recently. So yeah, maybe that was a a wrong decision. Yeah, I think they're still in a strong spot. Spot. I found it very interesting hearing Matteo be there about their previous results in, in previous seasons against big teams at different points in the season and where they ended up. That would be the that would be the crossover in it really is is, is how how they how they move on from this. We talk been talking a lot about Schmidt and Benfica and about how they're needing to uh, you know needing to con- control their emotions and control things in terms of you know not not get too wrapped up in this. Uh, wave of negativity that seems to be surrounding Benfica. Um, Sporting have had the opposite really. There's been a lot of positivity around them this season. Um, you know, think about last season, you know, that's a, a completely different situation. So they need to maintain that and, uh, and hopefully that will carry them through. Mm, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, let's quickly move from the capital to the north of Portugal where Vitoria hosted uh, Porto at the Estadio Dom Afonso Henriques. Um, Vitoria are having a very decent run of form under Alvaro Pacheco. They won three of their previous four games before this fixture. They sat just one point away from the top four again before this game. And given Porto's difficult problems uh, themselves, I think many saw this as a potential banana skin for Porto and a, a possible scalp for, for Vitoria. They did start of a game very well. They went 1-0 ahead through Andre Silva, but Porto kept fighting uh, and came back to win the game 2-1 thanks to goals from Zaidi Sanusi and Chico Contesau. Matteo, um, what do you make of Porto in this game, but also in this season so far? Because it's been far from perfect, but it's so important for them to to keep winning games when they're not, perhaps not playing at their best and, and playing potentially difficult opposition. Yes, uh... Porto has a, has a way to winning games that I sometimes don't understand. <laughs> it's quite difficult to understand the, the Porto from the last uh, half of from the second half of the last season in this beginning of this one. Quite, uh, but on for about the, the game of last Saturday against Guimarães, I think it was quite obvious that uh, that Porto won this game. Uh, 
with uh, with great performance from their goalkeeper Diego Costa. I think uh, and even last year, I think Porto reached the, the second place, uh, and this second place is thanks to to Diego Costa. Also, it's quite easier when you have one of the best goalkeeper in the world, in my opinion, a top three goalkeeper in the world uh, on on his line, on penalty kicks and also with the ball. With, uh, I think he was the best midfielder against the Kimaranj <laughs> uh, during this game uh, with his vision, with uh, some some passes, some long passes. And I think uh, he, he, he allowed Porto to survive in this game because I didn't saw Gimaranj having a saw, uh, having the game for against a, a top four, top three. Uh, so so much time. Almost the first half was just Gimaranj. There were just opportunities for Gimaranj, uh, occasions, and uh, and I think when you have this 30, 35 minutes of uh, of uh, of of being better than Porto, and you only have one goal uh, in front of them, it's not possible. You have to to score this second goal, and uh, they didn't do it, and. Um, and yes, you have this Zaidu goal came from nowhere, and uh, the second half was yes indeed much more difficult. I don't think that Porto did a lot to to win the games, but uh, they have better players, better individual qualities, and uh, since the beginning of this year, this is uh, quite obvious that uh, that uh, they uh, they have a way to, to win games. That uh, that uh, that is uh, that is what it is, but. Uh, Diogo Costa have a big part on it, and uh, and uh, and that is it. Uh, I, I don't know uh, how long uh, this uh, way of playing and this way of uh, uh, yes, this way of playing will last to to reach uh, kind of results uh, as as a podium. But uh, we'll see. But uh, if I were a Porto fan, I will not be very optimistic for for for, for the season. Yeah, I think it's so important to highlight the role that Diogo Costa played in this game. Important to remember that he he saved the penalty, the initial shot from the penalty, and was quite unlucky that the rebound fell straight to the Victoria player to to score because he was absolutely fantastic. Barney, I'm interested to get your assessment of Vittoria at the moment, though, because for me, on the one hand, although I do believe that Diogo Costa deserves a lot of praise, I do think you also have to ask the question of Vittoria about how clinical they were. And for me, I, I I did just feel at times that they they didn't do quite enough. And it's difficult because they were obviously better than Porto in the first half of this game. And I was very impressed by their attacking intent. You can tell that they're an Alvaro Pacheco team now. But, and this might sound strange about a team who scored a lot of goals recently, but I do think they will have a real problem taking chances against uh, better defences and, and better goalkeepers. For me, Jota Silva is is not clinical enough um, in a 1v1 situation. I think he has to score in, in one of the chances that he has at least. Um, I thought there was one very good Diogo Costa save, but the others I think he made too easy. In my opinion, Barney Andre Silva, I like him. Is he a top-level striker? In my opinion, perhaps not. Uh, I, it's just I look at their team. I, I, I don't see a real difference maker. I don't see a real attacking, a real attacking talent that's going to score lots of goals for them. No, well, I mean, on Andre Silva, I feel like it's he's had quite a while now and uh, quite a few opportunities. I know he's had his few injuries, but it just feels like he hasn't been able to make that step up since arriving from Maruka a couple of seasons ago. Um, 
uh, it was Zhao Mendes who seemed to be the the, the best attacking threat that the player they signed from Sharps who's just had a, a head of a season for them. Um, yeah, they do seem quite light in those attacking areas. Um, they obviously signed Budzko as well from relegated passes, um, but he doesn't seem to be getting another head of Andre Silva. I'm not sure if he's actually an improvement in terms of ability um, or, or clinical uh, clinicalness. Is that the word? Um, clinicality? Is that the word? <laughs> I don't know, not a key feature, but I, I do like the way Pichet is sort of bringing players back into the fold of uh, the we haven't seen for a while. Uh, you look at that back line, you know, taking out uh, Danny Silver and uh, Tunkara, bringing in George Fernandes and Borokovic. Um, Borokovic, who very much have been frozen out under Moreno, um, you know, to a bit more experience, um, I think needed to perhaps come in because we had seen some mistakes from the, the, those two young players in the past. We've also seen Miguel Maga come back in that right wing back I was pleased to see because he's a player who has I think has got real potential and uh, once again was struggling for minutes under um, previous managers. It's I don't know I think Albert you're really you're right to highlight Pache and Vittorio's performance at the start of this podcast and as Matteo alluded to you know thinking about performances against the big teams this season it was a great performance from them it was a really strong performance and um, I guess I'm about to ask you the same question back to you. I'm about to say it, it is just what you said. It's it's lack of um, finishing from those four players, and they they you know on a different day they could have could have won this game. Um, yeah, so that, that's credit to them for sure. I have to say I I don't want to sound stupid because I'm I'm aware that under Alvaro Pacheco they've scored a lot of goals recently and had good results, but just something for me does still bother me about Vittoria. I think they've got a good goalkeeper in Bruno Varela. And I think the the four, the line of four that they play in midfield is, is good. I like Miguel Maga, um, Danny Silva, Thomas Handel and Ricardo Mangas, four players I like very much. But for me, I just I do think the defence is weak. I think Jorge Fernandez, Borevkovic, Thomas Ribeiro, I don't think these are these are great players who've particularly proved a lot in this league. And like I said up front, uh, Jota Silva Andre Silva, for me, I think they're just lacking quality. And, and I've said it before, um, I think I think Vittoria is possibly the, the, the most difficult job in the Primera Liga for any manager. And I base that on the expectations of, of the fans compared to the resources available to the manager, both in terms of money and, and players. Um, we'll come back to Porto and get back onto the positive soon but just while we have you Matteo I'm intrigued to get your thoughts on Alvaro Pacheco um, how you think he'll do at Vittorio because we were slight me and myself and Barney were slightly surprised when he was appointed um, although pleasantly surprised because we both like him as a manager and, and I do like his style of football very attacking but it is a very demanding job and, and it's, it's fair to say that he's a fairly inexperienced manager Yes but I think it's Quite the the waiting I, I expected from these two. Uh, Alvaro Pacheco was at Vizela. It's a club f- f- near Guimaraes. He's a, a guy from from the region. He he, he also managed uh, Adefaf uh, in the, the first division a few years ago. So he, he was here, and I think uh, the the next step uh, was. Historial, but it was he, he only lasted two to three months. But uh, the the next move will be to to train the the big club of the of the, this area, not the region because the region is Braga, but the area is Guimaraes. And uh, I think it's 
it was uh, quite uh, with his mentality. Uh, you, you say an uh, attacking football, but also uh, the, the mon- his mentality. I think it, it's 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 a good wedding between him and, and Gimarish, but of course it's uh, a very difficult job. It's a job. It's, it's a club with uh, burning uh, managers uh, uh, from all the seasons. Three, three this year. It's uh, quite uh, impressive. And um, and uh, but I think he is a really really good coach as Vas- as Vasco Serra is uh, for Fresh-Torial and I think Fresh-Torial uh, didn't uh, lose a lot of things with changing uh, his managers. But uh, uh, in terms of uh, um, the relationship uh, of uh, Alvaro Pacheco with the the region is a good call for, for Gimaraes. I think he need time. I uh, agree with you, Andre Silva, because Andre Silva was a fullback a few years ago. Uh, we need to remember that that is not the, really the the, the best uh, clinical uh, striker we have on on the league. But we have uh, a striker who is, I think, quite good uh, to play to combine with uh, all the, all the, all the with his, his teammates. And uh, but we have almost the same problem at Braga uh, with Abel Ruiz, which, which is who is a, a great from a, a great uh, forward in terms of uh, combining and playing and uh, his vision uh, on the pitch but is not quite it's not good in front of the goal and but when you, if you have a player like Ricardo Orta or last year you had Yuri Medeiros and this year you have Alvaro Jalo or Bruma you have these players who also can score the goals and you can play for them and I think Andre Silva have as need to play for players who are more clinical than, than him and I agree that Jota Silva and João Marquez are, are not these, these players. I think the fullbacks also are quite good fullbacks, Ricardo Mangas and João and Miguel Maga. But I saw from we we, we had in Portugal some fullbacks who were scoring more goals than them and were more dangerous in the in the box than them. So yes, I think you need sometimes to to find the good uh, uh, synergy between all these players. But you have a, a good um, a good squad and a very good midfield, in my opinion. Uh, if Thomas Sandel uh, come back at a, at a good level with Denis Silva, who are a, a very very good player in the, the formation teams at Gimaraes, I think he he has the the quality. Now we need time to to find a good synergy between all of them. Well, I'm I'm pleased to hear your positivity about Victoria. I feel <laughs> bad because I I know we have Victoria listeners, and I, I'm not trying to be. Uh, Negative, but I feel better after hearing you say that. It's very generous as a Braga fan as well to uh, speak so positively about um, Vittoria. But let's let's go let's go back to Porto. I derailed us slightly because obviously they did very well to win the game. Um, there were big decisions made before the game started. Uh, Mediterranean didn't start. We know he's been in poor form. They're really really struggling um, with goals. That's the obvious thing. They don't have a goal scorer with more than two goals. Mediterranean scored two. I think Evan Ilsen has has one or two. Tony Martinez I think has two. So it's a real problem. Um, but one player who for me continues to be a real positive, um, and perhaps slightly unexpectedly, is Chico Constasau who for me, was the best player in this game other than Diogo Costa. I thought he was by far their their most attacking threat. He was the best player against Estoril as well, in my opinion. I know they lost the game, but in terms of positives that they can take, I thought he was Porto's best player. Um, he's looked fantastic since rejoining. Um, not only does he have the ability to change the game, but again, similar to what I was saying with Joao Neves, and, and you can make comparisons between him and Joao Neves, young players who perhaps are fearless, have a have a love for the club 
but he's he's in a similar way has the ability but also has the mentality i said on twitter he he plays with his dad's mentality on the pitch with his father's mentality he's really at the moment performing that role of being the manager on the pitch in terms of inspiring other players um yeah i i think he's been fantastic um Matteo, i'll come straight back to you um yeah what do you think of him Quite a surprise, also because he had a very difficult year last last season with with Ajax, and uh, with uh, sometimes on the A team, sometimes on the B team, and I think for him a, a B team even in Netherlands is uh, quite surprising because uh, uh, he's the more talented players uh, at uh, the youth teams in Porto since many years. With yes, Fabio Fabio Vieira, Vitinha, he was one of one of them in terms of quality and uh, surprisingly uh, he didn't uh, uh, reach the level we, we we expected for him last year at Ajax and uh, I think I still think that uh, this moves uh, Ajax Porto since two years is quite surprising and quite difficult to understand but uh, now it's at Porto. He is at Porto. It's a fact, and he's doing uh, uh, since the, the last games um, a, a good job. Uh, and he's obviously he, he won the game for for Porto. Uh, Diogo Costa managed to keep Porto on the game, and Conceição, uh, Chico Conceição, won the game uh, with this assist, with fantastic assist, and, and this fantastic fantastic goal uh, also. So um, so 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 yes, it's. Uh, uh, it's important in a team, in my opinion, with uh, bad dynamics uh, collectively and offens- offensively, uh, on, in, with without the Mediterranean uh, out of form. It's uh, even more complicated for Porto to create something in, some, in terms of, um, of of team and offensively. So you have some players like Osasau, like Ivan Jaime, like Gonzalo Borges, who can do differences by, by himself to to unbalance the, the opposite the opposition team. And uh, they have uh, an even more important uh, uh, role uh, in the, in this Porto team. And uh, and Chico Concesao uh, uh, carry this role quite well. But uh, it's still the problem with teams when <laughs> the 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 offensive uh, uh, dynamics are only about uh, individuals and not collective uh, dynamics and uh, last year and last season with Porto it's sometimes uh, efficient because you have very good players like Luis Diaz, like Concesao, like Sabiria who are creating a lot of things individually but uh, last year's you had some also um, good defense good defensive shape good uh, defensive organization we have a Pepe since many years now with uh, with um, uh, at at a sublim level, um, even uh, at his age, and uh, Marcano was good last year. So, but this season you have a baby who is more injured since more injured, and I'm not quite confident with David Carmo in uh, in the back too, and even with uh, Fabio Carlos also. Uh, if Porto want, in my opinion, to 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 have a good season. They need to they need to to be stronger collectively and offensively uh, to 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 reach that. And I don't I'm not seeing that. And I'm just seeing individuals, very good individuals, who are uh, carrying the the team offensively to 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 win games in the league. Yeah, I completely agree with Mateo there. I think that's a really important point about um, Porto's reliance on individuals for goals because. You know, when as as you said, when you're when they're left to it, if you look at the team this season, like 
where are these goals coming from? It's not coming from that midfield as good as Estacchio and Varela are for their, you know, their passing or their defensive actions. You know, you're not getting five to ten goals from those players each each, each year. You know, and Galeno's he has his moments, but I don't think he's that player. Chico Gonzalez seems to be that person who's got that spark and that magic. Right? I'll, I'll include Pepe Aquino uh, as well, the the Brazilian wing. He's just never really shown consistent goal scoring records. So when you think of it like that, and when you take Taremi out of the equation, you're a lot of goals short from being anywhere near the top of the table, right? And I think that, that that's 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 well, it's been obviously their problem for a while now. So yeah, it's it's. It just worries me how, where uh, you know, if unless you're a defender or, or a family member of conscious out, like way up, way up for again, there goes the season. <laughs> no, I think you make. I think you make a very interesting point, um, and Matteo, I think you do make a great point about if they want to find a creative spark, perhaps there are options internally that that they're not utilizing, and I do think of players like even oh. Jaime, though I know he's been injured, and and, and Borges, and. Uh, players like that who who could be make a difference. Go on, Bonnie. Sorry, I'm, I'm really desperate to comment because someone I've been wanting to mention in a while is Nico Gonzalez, the midfielder from this up in Barcelona, right? Because I like Varela and I like Estacchio, and, and I, I think they're very good players. Together, you're losing something. And I think when Nico Gonzalez played, he offered that bit more going forward. You know, I, I was reminded of the times when Vettini was in that midfield too, you know, with a bit more spark, a bit more creativity. And I just, I don't know why we haven't seen more of him. And he's, he's always playing my mind, sorry, and he hasn't featured for a while. And I've been meaning to say it for weeks because I see a lot of people raving about Stacking and a lot of people raving about Varela. And I think that's right. But I also think there's something missing there which Nico Gonzalez could have brought. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think it's, a, you've answered your own question there, perhaps slightly. Though I think, um, I don't think you play Stacking and Gonzalez. I think you, because you, you have to play. Alan Varela and one of the two, and I think Yastekio's form has been pretty good. So uh, perhaps I can understand why um, Contessao has, has, has struggled to make changes. Um, gentlemen, I'd like to move on before we spend the whole podcast talking about uh, Sergio Contessao's squad selections for Porto. And and uh, Matteo, we've made you wait long enough before talking about uh, Braga, who travelled to uh, an Aruka side who were bottom of the table in quite dreadful form. Um, bearing in mind that Braga scored six goals in 45 minutes in their previous game. I think many people predicted this to be uh, something of a, a goal fest. It wasn't to be, though. And in fact, I thought Aruka put in one of their best performances in in a long time um, and went toe-to-toe at times with one of the league's best teams. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to halt um, their... Uh, consecutive run of losses I don't know why I'm saying unfortunately to a Braga fan I'm sure you were very pleased that they uh they didn't they didn't get a draw or win but um like I said Alvaro Alvaro Giallo gets uh the the goal which gives Braga all three points um obviously as we have you on the show I think it's a good opportunity to to talk about Braga wasn't the most exciting game in the end to be totally honest with you um but um, it wasn't an important win. How are you feeling about Braga just in general this season? Because I think the the general consensus from neutrals and from us has been that there's been some great attacking moments, but obviously there's been too many points dropped and, and perhaps defensively there's been some some issues. A lot, lot of issues. But uh, it's true that uh, yesterday we, we, we had our first, first clean sheet in, in the league uh, this season and uh, and 
so but yes I'm, i agree with you it's it was a, a bad game it was a bad game for neutrals i think uh and as a, as a fan it was uh, it was difficult to 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 see that game because uh, because uh, because the pitch was horrible because the the weather was horrible because it's uh, your base team is is a little bit tired because you are uh, playing each uh, each three days since uh, since three weeks now and uh, uh, I can understand the, the fatigue of the team uh, for for a game against the, the bottom one. You you play that Santiago Bernabeu three three days a year, so uh, obviously it's a, it's a complicated game. Um, but uh, but we 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 made the job. Uh, Alvaro Jero scored uh, scored from from the left side. I still think that is uh, one of the points that uh, we lost from last year in the first organization. It's how we. We unbalanced the team from the left side last year, and we are not doing this uh, so much uh, this year. And uh, but uh, it was uh, an important win, and uh, mostly because uh, Guimarães was facing Porto, Mexico was facing Sporting. So uh, I'm not um, I'm not uh, mad about the, the the how we play. I'm just happy with the win. Absolutely, and as you say, it was it was difficult conditions, um, and I did think the goal came from a good moment of quality. So it was at least pleasing to to see that. Um, you say it was difficult as a Braga fan to watch the game. It was particularly difficult as someone with Simon Banza as their fantasy team captain <laughs> to watch this game. Um, I was hoping for a hat trick, but alas, um, Barney, um, I want to come to you on on Aruka. We obviously watched uh, Aruka play Ferenz in one of our Monday night football events and they were pretty dreadful in that game. Um, but I feel like they were much better in, in this game and, and I'm, I'm just wondering whether you agree with that. Yeah, they did seem improved. Um, uh, like Samal coming back to the midfield really helped him. I think we talked about that when we watched them against Ferenz, how it seemed bizarre that uh, he wasn't included in their starting lineup. He seems to be one of their best midfielders. It just seems there's been a lot of that uh, this season from Daniel Ramos. Just there's a lot of changes are made quite often, and uh, it, it it just it be that during during a match or you know in terms of the lineups he's playing, it just seems to be. I don't know. It just doesn't seem. You just get the air that he doesn't really know what he's doing. Maybe that's too harsh, um, but I think in this game they set up well and and. and and to be fair to me, he has positioned some of the four players in Mujica and Jason who have, have performed well occasionally. Um, but yeah, it's it's that they can take something from this performance in terms of how they were able to keep themselves in it for such uh, for you know throughout the whole game. But there needs to something needs to give at some point, and I'm not, I can't personally, I can't work out in terms of the players he's got at his disposal and the, and the the way he seems to want to play. It just doesn't seem like they've got the right tools for. For the job, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean it was it was an improved performance in a sense that they didn't look hopeless as they looked against Ferenz. They looked at least solid, but I can't really think of a of a great chance that they should have scored. I, I think Mujica had the best chances of the game and, and I think they were all half chances, fairly difficult chances. So at least there was improvement and and, and to be fair to Aruka, although they would have loved the opportunity to get a statement win against a big side, uh, at the end of the day, they won't necessarily have their season 
decided on on games against teams like Braga. So um, it, for me, it's all about the next game with them. Uh, if, in fact, Matteo, quickly, it's something that I want to get your thoughts on because me and Barney have had this conversation quite a few times and I think people are a bit bored of us talking about it, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts because, you know, yet again, Aruka, a team that qualify for the Europa Conference League and, and then have, they follow it up with a, a bogey season, shall we say, and, and it's, you know, on paper, we, me and Barney thought it was going to be different because I know they lost players and they did lose their manager, but they were they replaced him with a good manager, and they made a number of of quite interesting signings. So I'm just yeah interested in in in, in why you think Aruka are, are looking so poor at the moment. I think the the, the team are, which is uh, carrying this fifth or sixth spot for the European Conference League in Portugal since many years now is, is cursed. So I, it's the only explanation I have, because uh, even last year I, I thought that Gigi Lucente, uh, with the loss of uh, uh, Samarino, Pedrinho, uh, Ze Carlos, uh, all these great players who, who made a fantastic season with Gigi Lucente two years ago, uh, for me, okay, you maybe you don't reach uh, again the, the European competition. But uh, you don't play the relegation quite, quite almost all the all the season with uh, all the good players you had uh, last season. I think Aroca have not the same quality, but have quality, better quality than other side, and uh, they didn't make it since the beginning of this year. And I think uh, in this season, and I think that is almost the same. I'm re- we are seeing the same thing for the for this for for, for this team. Aroca, Gilicente, Santa Clara, and Passos uh, three years ago. Uh, the same thing uh, all and over again. Uh, um, in, in Portugal, uh, this is the, the difficult to, to explain. It's true that uh, there are teams who are making great season last before, losing all the players because all the players uh, is very easy for um stranger teams and uh, even in smaller championships but with better financial uh, resources to grab these players and after you have to rebuild sometimes even with uh, another coach uh, like uh, like Aroca this season you have to rebuild everything and uh, and with the European competition in in August it's complicated to manage everything and you are in November and you have difficulties uh, and it's the same sh- pattern each season for this team since uh, since almost since I, I'm I'm following the Portuguese championship so uh, I think it's a bigger problem it's a problem because these teams have n- not enough resources to to just to keep the players and just keep some of them. And they are all losing quite uh, um, quite every players uh, at, the, at the, during the during the summer, and uh, it's much bigger problem for for Portuguese football than just the Aruca problem or the Santa Clara problem uh, two years ago, the Gil Vicente problem. Uh, but uh, it's a fact that these teams have a lot of, and a lot of difficulties the next season to to have a quite not a great championship, but a normal championship. Uh, and not playing the the, releg- the relegation that they are playing this season. Hmm. No, absolutely. Um, and before we move on, Matthew, just while we have you, because uh, Arthur George signed a new contract uh, to be Braga manager until 2025. Interestingly, uh, from from my perspective, it seemed like it was met with a a mixed response. Uh, some positive and, and and some negative from from the fans. I'm interested just to get your opinion on on him as a manager and him signing that new deal. If 
personally, if I just offer my opinion, I think I was quite pleased to see him sign the new deal. I know it hasn't been perfect, but I do like the fact that the club is is sticking by a young manager who um, obviously has a lot still to learn, but I think also has shown a lot of of bravery um, and has, has, has imparted exciting football onto the team and played in some big games against teams like Real Madrid and etc. So, um, yeah, how do you feel about the new contract? I think he, he deserved the distrust. So one more year until 2025. But I think he, he and I am a big supporter of him because it's a, it's a reference in, in the town, in Braga. It's one of the best supporters uh, we have. Uh, indeed, I remember two years ago, uh, I was at the, the Derby Dominion uh, against Guimarães in 2021. And he was on the stand as a normal fan. Uh, not um, quite uh, near of of my side with my with my father, and uh, he was not uh, in a box. Uh, he was a fan like there was, and one year after that, he is the the, the coach of, of the team of the A team. So uh, he did a really great job in the formation um, from the, the under fifteen to the B team at Braga. Uh, it's quite it's it's a young manager uh, because it's only his second year. Uh, as the, the manager of the of the A team, so I think he deserves his trust. Uh, he did a, a fantastic championship last year. Last year, uh, we are he qualified the, the club for 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 his further group stage uh, Champions League uh, campaign. So he, he deserves this trust and he deserves not having the pressure of uh, uh, the end of the con- of the con- of this contract uh, um, uh, until this season. Uh, but I think it not it didn't deserve all the trust we have because, uh, as you say, the team have, have, has some problems defensively. I think uh, in offensive organization from last year we have some difficulties, uh, more difficulties. Defensively we have difficulties. Uh, I think in terms of how we play, we we need to be better. And um, and uh, and I think also to to point that the on set pieces we are not we are not uh, we are not good enough we are we are quite good last year and this season we are not uh, good enough offensively and defensively so 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 yes I think he has the quite the the best squad we have in this year of Braga we have players and I think these kind of players like Jalo like Monza. Like uh, like Ricardo Lotta, uh, are doing uh, quite a good championship individually, and uh, they are in a great great form, and uh, they, they succeed to to carrying the the team uh, in championship. But um, but um, uh, in the team collectively has to do, has to be better, and uh, that's why I think we are giving him his, his trust one more year, but not two or three more years because. Uh, uh, he has a lot of qualities in the team and we have really to do better in championship. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's the perfect balance because on the one hand, you're saying to him, we believe in you, but also you're saying this team is now your responsibility and, and uh, it's your responsibility to improve um, some of the some of the uh, the problems that, that they have at the moment. Um all right, guys, I think we might have time for, for one more game. So let's talk about 
the other Lisbon derby that took place this weekend. Um, I've used that joke about three times now. I'm not going to do it again. Um, as uh, as Estoril hosted Casapia uh, in a game between two teams who it's fair to say have really struggled this season. Estoril were without a win all season until they got a shock 1-0 win last weekend away against Porto. I'm going to shamelessly pat myself on the back here, but after last week's podcast, I said they were the team to keep an eye on. Um, and they proved me right, following it up with a fantastic performance uh, and a massive 4-0 win against Casapia. Casapia themselves have struggled uh, this season, only two wins all season, four losses in their last five games. Um, although they did get a good 1-1 draw at the Estadio de Luz. Um, and after the game, we did get the shock news of Felipe Martins' resignation as Casapia manager, which I think we should probably start with as it is a fairly breaking story. Personally, and I'll, I'll come on to both of you to to get your opinions on 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 this. Um, but personally, I was I was surprised about this about this decision, just because of how long he's been at the club and and, and what he's achieved while their manager. Of course, I know that the results have been um, have been poor, but I did imagine that if he wanted to, they would stick with him and and hopefully turn things around. Although, as I understand it. Um, he offered his resignation, so he wasn't necessarily sacked by the board. But I do think it's a bold move to to move on from a very talented young manager. Um, he got the club promoted to the Primera Liga. He he kept them up in a very very difficult uh, season. He lost key players along the way. It will be fascinating to see where where they both go next, where who they bring in as his replacement, and and, and where Felipe Martins manages next. Um, he is, of course, now on the market for any other club should they need him. Um, Barney, I'll come to you first. Just quickly, reaction to this and, and what you thought, because I think we were both very surprised by this. Yeah, a bit shocked. Um, uh, underperformances haven't been great recently. Uh, as, well, first thing, I think he clearly loves this club. And I think the reason he put his resignation in now with the international break would have been as, you know, you hear it talk about all the time. Oh, you give the, give the new manager the international break to work with the team, etc. He might have been thinking that himself. Um, I don't know. We've we've had a few stories this season that have sort of highlighted to me that perhaps their things aren't all rosy there at Casapia. There was the talk recently of um, club captain Varela uh, being, you know, was he kicked out of training or something, and then back in the team, and you know, there, there was some exchange going on there, although both club and manager played that down. Um, and they talked about it. Also, you think about the departure of Savio Godwin. Was that after the transfer window closed in Portugal? So, like, what, what, how, how do you get a replacement for him? You know, that might have been something that uh, me uh, very much disagreed with. So, I don't know. Perhaps there's been rumblings now that this wasn't um, a perfect marriage, despite you know the remarkable job that he had done there for, for, for you know getting them into the top division for the first time in 83 years you know this yeah, it was a really romantic story really but it just seems to be sad that it's come to such a, a sour end um, yeah I mean, that, that's my take and I, I, I'm a bit gutted but I'm also not, not too surprised yeah, Matteo, same same to you I mean how did you rate Felipe Martins as a manager and, and uh, yeah did you, did you see this coming? Uh, like you, I didn't see that coming because I, I think yes, the result was not very good, but was not 
in terms of performances was not too bad also uh, the, the draw against uh, Benfica and Braga successively in Portuguese League Cup was quite good performances not saying great performances but good performances uh, mostly at Estadio uh, da Luz but um, but yes I was not seeing that coming because uh, is kind of the representation of uh, um, finally a club giving time to coach to um to to to, to do his job uh, in second league it's rare to have a, a coach to do one year in second league making made, making good good things but not uh, playing for 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 the for a place for 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 the first for the first league it's only in the second um in, in the second uh, season that he reached the the promotion so um, and last season was a very good year for for for, for Casapia. so it was um, surprising because I think it was a good example for all the small teams. Small, it's a relative, but all out of the top four or five teams in Portuguese to show that if you can give time, and also for teams in secondly, if you give time to a coach and a good coach because he's a really good coach. Uh, with a lot of knowledge about uh, what uh, what is um, about his profession, um, that uh, that you can achieve the first league and the first a first league spot, and uh, and uh, I think he, he was a good example uh, on on Portuguese professional leagues since uh, for for the last couple of years. Uh, so surprised, I will see will be the replacement, but. Uh, uh, I think it will be difficult to replace a coach who were here from almost three and a half year and uh, uh, with um, quite a philosophy and uh, shape systems and some also um, a recruit uh, recruitment for for the teams uh, like uh, some players really uh, uh, by uh, both. Uh, for for his shape, for his system, uh, like Chaco Diaz, for example, who did a really great uh, uh, job at Ferenczi last year, like uh, um, like Kiki um, two at the beginning of this year, uh, well some injuries, but with a, a four three four a three four three player, in my opinion. So let's see. I think it will be complicated to find a replacement, but uh, yes, quite surprised. Yeah, I think the thing for me is, despite the poor results, I just wonder if they will be able to find a manager as skilled as Felipe Martins, to put it uh, to put it simply. But all we can do is really uh, wait and see what road they go down and, and where Felipe Martins uh, ends next. Um, but of course, on a much more positive note, um, a great win for Estoril, uh, as you as you alluded to. Mateo um, now doing very well under Vasco Siabra. It seems that both Siabra and uh, and Alvaro Pacheco have, have found homes that they're they're more happy in, and and um, Siabra is is working very well with with Estriel at the moment. Um, there's a number of players that we could single out, but I'm sure the player you'll have been most pleased to see doing well in this game and the man of the match was, of course, Rodrigo Gomes on loan from uh, from Braga. So I'm sure you're going to tell us that you saw this coming. Sawing this coming is uh, no, I don't know, but um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, he found uh, the good coach and the good team to to value himself uh, after a, quite a difficult first, very first professional uh, uh, season at Braga with his club, uh, 
we already saw at Braga some some players who had some difficulties to uh, were very uh, uh, they, are, they they did the youth teams the, the academy and uh, when you reach the, the A team some difficulties to 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 um, with all the pressure with the stadium uh, I think about Rodrigo Gomez last year I think Fabiano and Morense also was a player who were very good in B team and under 19 team. Uh, who is quite good at more this season and at Braga he was sometimes good, sometimes very bad and uh, I'm, I'm thinking also about the, the son of Arthur George, Arthur George also whispering at Ferenczi this season was better at Setubal now at Ferenczi, uh, at Ferenczi but when he was at the club it was a bit difficult because his club it's also he has the same passion as his father for, for the club and it was, um, it was difficult. And for Rodrigo Gomez, I think if uh, not not just for Rodrigo, but for all for the best players, I think obviously about Gitan, about uh, Mateus Fernandez, about João Marquez, he found the shape and just just saying that he found the shape and everything goes well. It's uh, not saying the truth because he's a very good manager and you, we are seeing the dynamics and it's not just about the shape, but it's about the, the dynamics. Actually, uh, is, is uh, showing since uh, since few games now. But um, yes, Rodrigo Gomez has uh, this high uh, right fullback is uh, his best position. He was one of the best players in youth uh, teams in youth competition in Portugal uh, because he was already very fast with the ball uh, in depth, and it was very difficult to 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 grab him. And uh, in, in first uh, uh, division at this position, when he can. Uh, do or either uh, taking the death, exploring the death, and carrying the ball in, with um, long, uh, long carries uh, is um, is a very dangerous player. And I think in this free for free formation is is perfect for him, but it's also perfect for Kitan, also perfect for for Marquez, for Fernandez, for the back three. Also, I think uh, Volney Fates is a player for a back three formation. And uh, yes, we have uh, we have qu- quite six of the best players out of the top four, in my opinion. So the four in front, Matus Fernandes, uh, Bernardo Vital, and uh, and Marcelo Carne, who is doing a very great job since he joined Portugal uh, this year. So so with a good coach, I, I think they they can they can do great things this season. European competition, I don't know, but uh, I think they can do. Uh, uh, very good season. It's the um, good call for to to replace Pacheco with Sabra. It's a, it's a good call in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And and what is so interesting is that Vasco Sabra hasn't had a, a transfer window. This is exactly the same group of players assembled for Alvaro Pacheco, and that's not to criticise Pacheco because he's obviously himself doing very well at Vitoria. But it is very interesting to see. Uh, a different manager come in and work with exactly the same group of players and be able to get uh, very, very different results to to that which uh, Alvaro Pacheco is getting. Um, Barney, one of the best players in this game who scored a fantastic solo goal and a player that we've spoken a few times, uh, Rafik Gaitan. I know that a lot of people think of him as, as one of the most underrated players uh, in the league, outside of the the top four, um, I'm not sure quite how far I'd go with that, but I think he is definitely a, an exciting player and an interesting player. Um, scored a brilliant solo goal, like I said, and and I thought he put in a a, a particularly interesting performance. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like so many of these players, and there's 
and that's how he was saying that this formation just works so well for him and particularly Guy Town and that sort of right hand side cutting in um, it's just uh, that, that's his bread and butter isn't it um, he's he's having a really good moment um, I said last week I hope one thing I want to see from there is that that continued consistency um, so because that, that's something we haven't perhaps seen from him in his previous stints in the league um, but he's got everything and, and you know that that that's what makes them a, a really exciting team, isn't it? That there's just several players like uh, players we've talked about lots of times, like Olsgrove and um, uh, Marcus and Strike as well. Is is another one who I think perhaps not in the same level as Holsgrove in Town, but is someone who's shown and we haven't seen as much of as, as those those two players, but someone who has got quality as well. And then I'm excited to see what level he can take his game to, uh, leading the line. Obviously, they've got. Cassiano who got a goal in this game, but the, you know the 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 point of this season for Astro was to get that signing of Marquez, which was quite a coup from um he came from Juventus and he um a player of real promise. So that's what so many of these players are across the whole whole of that eleven for Astro is players with a lot of promise and finding their moment, I guess. And then and it's it's it, as this performance absolutely was, it was it was frightening in moments. They were upset, they were devastating. So. They're on a they're in a really good moment and um yeah um Guyton's probably the pick of the bunch isn't he because he is he is a special player yeah and I think it is just interesting to look at this game and 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 see two teams uh, heading in in quite different directions so um definitely two teams to keep an eye on uh, over the next few games for 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 different reasons um guys I think we'll leave it there for this episode then um Matteo we just want to say once again. Uh, a, a huge thank you for joining us no, not only for recording a long podcast but also doing it in English we really appreciate it and, uh, and the effort involved so thank you so much for coming on mate thank you again for, for the invitation Alberta and Brownie thank, thanks a lot it's still a pleasure to, to talk about Portuguese football in English you trained my English for for, for, <laughs> for speaking uh, about about football about Portuguese football so uh, very happy and uh, very good continuation for, for your project uh, very very impressive and very very good to see um, Portuguese football uh, expanding abroad and talking uh, like you are talking uh, uh, about uh, about it so thank you again and good continuation thank you very much we'll have to work together again soon I hope um, sure. before we go then just a quick reminder as always if you did enjoy the show uh, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify uh, and to check us out on Patreon where you can become a long ball football uh, socio. Uh, the link to that will be in the description of the podcast and also uh, to where you can follow Matteo and his various projects. Um, but that just leaves me to say thank you very much again for listening and see you next time. Yes,